Are you all ready? This morning, look at the person next to you and say, this word is for you this morning. You have to listen. You need to listen. So I want to continue talking about, it's a mix between the kingdom and prayer. All right, so kingdom and prayer. Because if we understand the kingdom, the fact that Jesus is king and he came to establish a kingdom, before Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world, but yes, I am king and there is a kingdom. Prophesied right throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 9, 6 on the board, the Christmas theme. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, the rulership shall be on his shoulders. Now, how many of you know that he is the head of the church? So in other words, he's delegated that rulership to the body. It's on his shoulders. And so you are in an incredible place over and over again. He preached it, John the Baptist preached it, the disciples preached it. I was looking at it again in Luke chapter 10. He said, every village you're going to heal the sick, and this is what you say, the kingdom is here. Amen? And so it's a sign of the kingdom, of the rulership, the reign of Jesus upon the earth. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, there's no other God, there's no other king that can usurp his authority and take his power. The nations of this world will be presented to him. He is seated in heaven waiting for the last enemy to be defeated. And that enemy is death and placed under his feet. And then he's going to come and take his position. Now, that's a good thing to know. Amen. But he's got a whole lot of delegates, delegated authorities on earth. He has a whole lot of ambassadors. And the amazing thing amongst calling them kings, he calls them gods. And amongst calling them kings and gods, he calls them friends. And not only does he call them friends, but he calls them sons. Not only does he call them sons, but he calls them brothers like himself. Amen. So he is the older brother amongst a family of brothers about his father's business. And the business that that family is all about is the kingdom. Is that okay? And that's why he said in Psalm 2, concerning this king who he would set up on the holy hill Zion, he said, ask of me and I will give you the heathen, the nations as your inheritance. So right now it doesn't look like he rules, but I want to tell you that there is rulership going on and dominion is coming. And so the prophetic insight we find in Revelations 13, when John said, now the kingdoms of this world belong to the kingdoms of our God and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever, and His kingdom shall never come to an end. So we want to understand that it's a kingdom. And when you got born again, you got taken out of a kingdom where there was a God, a king who ruled you. And that was the God of this world, it's called, was Satan. The evil one, the devil ruled over your life. And he ruled over us because our original forefather sinned by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, him and his wife, and plunged us all into sin, plunged us all into the dominion of Satan, the domination, the rulership of Satan. And he ruled over our lives through sin and through our flesh. But he ruled us. He reigned in our lives. Sickness entered into the world when sin came in, and the end consequence was death. But it was two kinds of death. Number one was a spiritual death, and number two was physical death. Okay, so things that man had never known before. And so the whole planet was subjected to that, and the whole planet was plunged into darkness. But Jesus came, 
and he faced the devil not in a garden but in a wilderness. And he gave his life on the cross. And uh, he laid down his life to pay the price for us. And then he rose again and he took the keys, the authority even for death and hell. The key of David. Isn't that right? He rose from the dead. And he defeated Satan. And he said, death and hell no longer has dominion. He dealt with the end result, meaning that all the way back to sin was also dealt with through his blood. So he rescued us. And Paul tells us in Colossians, he took us out of the dominion, out from under the dominion, out of the kingdom of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, or the son of his love, into the kingdom of light. But you were redeemed for a purpose, amen? You weren't just taken out and put into the kingdom just to hang around, you know, just to be there and say, well, I was delivered. Listen, you were delivered from something, but you were delivered into something. You were taken out of no purpose, and you're put into a kingdom with purpose. And your purpose is to rule and reign on this earth. Isn't that right? So Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it tells us that He's made us a kingdom of priests unto God. And uh, you can put this one up, Stevie, in Revelations uh, chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, that by His blood He made us kings and priests, and it says there, to rule and reign on earth. Everybody say, here on earth. Okay? It doesn't say in heaven. Okay? It says what? You've made them to be kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. So tell the person next to you, you shall reign on this earth. Say, in this life. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. You will reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. Come on, say, in this life, I'm going to rule and reign. In this life. Not in heaven when you die. No, in this life, honey burn, you're going to rule and reign. Is that okay? And so it's important for us to know that because if we don't understand this, you will never be able to pray effectively. And we want to pray effectively. So we got to know that all authority has been delegated to us. You've been given all authority. All authority. So I want to run through some verses just as a reminder. Everybody say a reminder. So the first scripture that I want to look at is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. Does that sound like kingdom? Does that sound it? Let them rule. So tell the person next to you, say rule. Okay? All right, say rule. Let them rule. What are we to rule over? We're to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Everybody say, oh. 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 So we are to rule. Is that okay? And we are to rule over all. Which means then, over all. It means then that there is nothing on this earth that is to rule over you. Nothing on this earth. In the physical realm, in the emotional realm, in the spiritual realm, nothing is to rule over you. He said, you rule over all. And I like this word all. Now, Andre wrote it with a C, but you can also put it with a K. That word C or K, kal, is the Hebrew word for all. And if you look at the Hebrew letters and you take it back to the sort of the pictorial um, the pictures, the pictogram, or whatever you want to call it, of those letters, the word all, the letters equal 
the picture of a hand. Whenever God swore, he swore with uplifted, right, the strongest hand. Hand open. Holding back nothing. Giving everything. Is that okay? Hand and a scepter. In other words, the implication is the scepter in the hand. Or the uplifted hand is a hand of power and authority. So when he said you rule over all, over all, he said a scepter in your hand. Just in the word all. Is that good? Is that okay? okay? So you rule over everything. Okay, if that's not good enough, I'm going to try and find you something even better than that. Shout. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 14 and verse 19. So Genesis, oh, I love this. Genesis 14. This is, you know, the defeat of the kings. And Abraham comes back, and you remember that God said to him, you know, in blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. But in Genesis 14, I love this verse. And in verse 19, and he blessed Abraham. This is Melchizedek. He blesses Abraham. Now, you've got to get this. And so Melchizedek blesses Abraham. He's just come back from defeating the five king. And listen to what Melchizedek says to Abraham. Now, how many of you know Abraham is the father of those in the faith? That's his scene, isn't it? Because he believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Is everybody ready? Because you just put your seatbelt on. Because when I explain this verse, you're going to take off, all right? And he blessed Abraham. This is Melchizedek, a type of Jesus. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Now everybody say amen. Amen. We agree. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. Except one thing. Melchizedek wasn't talking about God. He was talking about Abraham. Okay. Wow, Pastor John. In other words, he was saying, Abraham, you are possessor of heaven and earth. Now that reminds me of another verse. Okay, if you're not excited yet, let me try a little bit harder. Okay, a bit harder. So in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus said to the disciples, Now, because I'm the firstborn from amongst the dead, so I've even conquered death. I'm obedient son. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you can now go. My, in translating that is because I now give you all authority in heaven and on earth. Are you, are you starting to get it? Your authority has no limitation. So Abraham, you are possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, everything in there and everything on there is yours. And you have authority over it. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And so, you know, you're not just ordinary people. You're phenomenal people. And the unfortunate thing is that sometimes we sit without the revelation of it. We need to sit with the revelation of it. We need to realize what kind of authority we have. Isn't that right? And if we look at Psalm 8, it tells us something else in Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5. I'm just walking you through it just for you to see what kind of people you are. You've got incredible authority, incredible power. 
And so in Psalm 8, you know, David starts the psalm exalting God, but he comes to this place when he says, you know, when I look at the heavens, when I look at God's creation, and how minuscule we are in comparison, I have to ask myself, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you even visit him and care for him? You know, and that's what it goes on in verse 5. But look what it says. You made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. And I want you to hold that verse there. So God is saying, what is man? You know, you made him a little lower than the angels. The word there, angels, is not angels. It can be angels or it can refer to man. But because of the context and because of other places, it's not likely. And so... Um, It's incorrectly put there as angels in the King James translation. You have made him a little lower than God. Than Elohim is the Hebrew word. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. I was reading, and I think maybe in our Hebrew lessons once we had a little bit of it, but I was just reading, and there's a a particular commentator who um, interpreted this particular passage. And he said, the way you can interpret this passage is you created man. And you put him in a place, you raised him up into a place where he has little need of God. Now, let me explain it before you go, what? He doesn't need God. We need God. No, we need God. But what he is saying is you put him into such a place that he's not immature and infantile and a servant where he's got to keep grabbing. He knows who he is. And so in that sense, he has little need of God because he acts in his world as God. Is that okay? And there's a lot of us that we need to stop grumbling and complaining and whining and crying. We need to stand up and say, you know, I have little need of God in that sense to rescue me because He's given me authority. He's given me the power. He's put His word in my mouth. I can stand up and I can do something about this. Woo! Amen? And so we've got to start acting like who we are. Wowza! I mean, this is really good. And he crowned him with glory and honor. He crowned you with glory and honor. Who, uh, I ask you with tears in my eyes, who wears a crown? So he crowned you with glory, his own glory. And he's going like, this is God glory. Let me put it on your head as a crown. Let me honor you with this, that you are raised up. Say to the person next to you, you really needed to hear this sermon today. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. And, uh, and so in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, the apostle Paul quotes from this passage. He quotes, and he talks about the fact that, you know, angels are mighty beings. In the Old Testament dispensation, angels ruled over us. Even the law was given through the mediatorship of angels. And every violation, every act of disobedience was punished. And the law was so powerful being delivered through the hand of angels. But suddenly in the New Testament, because we were servants, but they were mightier servants, but suddenly in the New Testament, we become sons. They remain servants. And so servants serve sons. So are not all ministering spirits all angels, ministering spirits sent to serve the heirs of salvation. So there's legions of angels waiting for sons, ruler sons to stand up and start saying, 
I decree, I declare, or start saying, God, I pray. And they're going like, we were waiting for this. We were waiting for their prayer. We were waiting for that command. Now we can get busy because they are sent to serve the heirs of salvation. Amen. So the angels are ready to minister to us. And uh, Paul says this, there's a world to come. And it's not another world. We're in that world already. But there's an unfolding of the age of generations in this Christ world, this Christian world that we live in, that is still to come. And Paul says he hasn't subject this world to angels. But it's written somewhere, and he refers to um, Psalm 8. And he says it's referred somewhere. It's, it's basically saying he's talking about redeemed man. So the world to come has been subject to you. Paul says we will even judge angels. Not that they're being naughty or anything like that. But the thing is we stand up and we demonstrate rulership and authority. That's why he says, how is it that believers take believers to law courts when you've got this incredible authority? You could bring matters between believers into the church. He said, in fact, you could get the youngest members, the lowliest, to judge such authority. I'll give you a few more verses, but I think those are pretty powerful. Look at Psalm 82. Psalm 82, incredible prophetic psalm. And it's a psalm Jesus quotes a line out of in uh, John chapter 10. It says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. And that word God there is Elohim. And he says, he's standing in the congregation of the mighty. That word there is Elohim or Al, you know, singular. And he says, he judgeth amongst the gods, the Elohim. So God is standing in the congregation of gods. And he's judging amongst the gods. And then this is what he says to the gods in the congregation. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? In other words, he's saying you rule and you reign, but you're not doing it correct. Defend, this is what he's telling him to do. Defend the poor, defend the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy, deliver the poor and the needy, rid them of the hand of the wicked. Basically, what he was saying is, come on, start using your authority. So he's standing, Elohim, Elohim is standing in the congregation of the Elohim, and he's saying, come on, start to rule and reign. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so he says, Start to rule and reign. He says, they know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in the darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. In other words, he is saying there's things going wrong in this world because the Elohim are sitting idle instead of standing up, ruling and reigning. Maybe there's stuff happening in your life because you haven't stood up and said anything yet. You know, there's a time to pray it. In kingdom authority. But then there's a time to stop praying. And there's a time to turn around and start saying and doing. He said, I have said, I have said, Elohim has said to the Elohim, you are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High, Elion. So God says, I said you are gods. I said so. And so when Jesus... Now, the Jews knew this verse. And Jesus, in John chapter 10, when he starts speaking to the Jews, he said, doesn't it say in your law, your law, that when I, the Messiah, come, I will say, you are gods. 
So now, now I'm saying it, so now why do you want to crucify me? Because your law says it. Your word says it. That when I come, I'll say, you're God's. Woo. Hello, Elohim. I'm one of the Elohim. Under the Elohim, El Elion. And he says, you're God's. You need to rule and reign. And what does he say? You possess heaven and earth. Isn't that awesome to know you possess? And earth, all authority. I think if we just get another 10% revelation on this this morning, it might be extremely, extremely critical for the devil. And so you can write down Ephesians 1, 20 to 23, Jesus, when he talks about he's the head of the body. Listen, how he describes the body. He says the body is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He says he's put all things in subjection under his feet. Well, who is his feet? It's us. Is that okay? So it's under his feet. So if he's waiting for his last enemy to be brought under his feet, it means somewhere the church has got to start defeating death under his feet. Come on, church. You know, we've got to get to that place where we realize it and understand it, where death is under our feet, where we have dominion. Come on, somewhere along the line, we have got to start ruling and reigning. Somewhere. Where? Where are we going to start? It's great. Let's start, in, you know, let's start now. Let's start in our own world. Amen? Come on, start to rule and reign. Stand up as Elohim. Yow. Yow. And so, without repeating everything from last week, when Jesus came and um, he opened the eyes of blind, pronounced forgiveness of sins over the man in Mark chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 8, all the people were amazed and glorified God that such authority was given to man. And we need, the world needs to see the church standing up in authority again. Amen. So are you all ready? Can I give you a couple more verses as we come to a close? Somewhere along the line, Isaiah 45 verse 11. I like this verse. Man, I like this verse. Are you all ready? Yeah. So we need to start ruling and reigning. Everybody say rule and reign. And uh, I know that we'll get onto it, and I'm building to get there, is how does our authority work? Your authority works by you speaking. There are times to pray it in. There are times to say it in with actions, like be healed. Is that all right? And so... Isaiah 45, verse 11 says, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and Israel's maker. Here's the two things. Here's the two things. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. Come on, there's a lot of things that he's given to his sons. A lot of things. A lot of things that are yours. You have an inheritance. He doesn't hold back anything for you. He says, come on, I'm God, your maker. Now, I want to tell you to start asking me things that are pertaining to sonship. Start asking me for those things. Is that good? I mean, does it sound like God? You know, it sounds like God is saying, I don't want you to have so much need of me. Start acting like God's. Psalm 8. And then, then he says, listen, concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Come on. I mean, that's, I've got goosebumps everywhere. I've got goosebumps. Come on, give God a big hand. Come on. Let's just get excited. Yeah. Amen. So if we will learn. So God says, concerning things belonging to sons, I want you to start asking. 
But there's a time to stop asking. Then turning around concerning the works of my hands, concerning the things that I've created for you and set in place on your behalf, I want you to start commanding. I want you to start speaking. I want you to start saying things change. This changes. That thing changes. Is that okay? You need to stand up and say, there will be work for me. There will be increase. There will be a job. There shall be a promotion. Come on, start commanding him concerning the things of his hands. There will be a change. Practice speaking to the weather. I did. I was chatting to Colin the other day. Every time the rain clouds build and they say, you know, a potential of hail, I walk out and I say, now clouds, you listen to me. And I start commanding the weather. I say, no strong winds, no destructive hail. You know, it can be little, but not destructive. I start speaking to the lightning, and I say, you stay away from me, from my house, from the church. Stay away from this. Stay away. Amen? I mean, some of you will remember, I think Tammy was here. I think Tammy was the only injury and was a minor one. Uh, But it was also because my disobedience, I was a little bit slow. But we had a miracle pool and a jet blast. It was like a micro jet blast of wind came through from there. It hit the side of the building. It sounded like the roar of a jet engine. Warren was sitting at the back and he heard it and he went to go and try and close the wooden doors. Remember when it's still wooden doors? He couldn't close them. Such was the force of the wind. And uh, we were having a miracle pool service and I stood here and we all heard this noise. It was like the roar of a jet engine. And all these ceilings, yeah, the ceilings in the church started to lift. And it was like, I looked up and it was like waves. And suddenly there was a massive noise. And I think a third of the roof was blown off. And I, then I stopped and I said, wind, stop in Jesus' name. And it was at that split second, just one of those strips fell off. And, and Tammy was standing because um, water started to gush into the building. And that strip fell and just um, nicked her shoulder and put a little cut on her shoulder. But instantly I commanded the wind. The wind stopped. That was incredible. Everybody was like, wowza. And I should have done that sooner. Come on. When are we going to learn to start speaking to storms that come to us? Not physical storms. Storms that come. When are we going to start to speak to things? When are we going to stand? When? When? He said it in Psalm 82. When are you going to stand up and act like a God? When are you going to stand up and start to speak? Amen? Somewhere along the line, we've got to stand up and use this authority that God has delegated us. He says, come on, there's a time to ask of me concerning things that belong to sons. But there's a time to stand up. And concerning the works of my hands, you need to start commanding. See, the angels are waiting for instructions. They do His bidding. They respond to His word. So listen, when you speak His word, they don't know whose voice it is. Because your voice with his word in sounds like his voice. The Bible refers to the voice of his word. They respond, the angels respond to the voice of that word. They go, I know that voice. That's the voice of his word. And we are the mighty ones. And we respond to do his bidding. I'm preaching so good, I'm blessing myself. Thank you, John. That's so awesome. So he watches over his word in our mouths to perform it. So... One of the great, I mentioned it last week, one of the great theologians says, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying a hold of God's willingness. Come on, you've got to write that down. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. Come on, church. 
Come on, when are we going? When are we going? I don't know. I vote. Let's let's. It's you know we're way behind, but let's let's start speaking and acting like the kings that we are, ruling and reigning in this life by one Christ Jesus. So um, the thing that I, I spoke about last week is the thing that you agree with, and this is very important when it comes to prayer. The thing that you agree with will influence you. One of the reasons why I'm pushing so hard now with this word. I'm pushing hard now, teaching this word. Last week I started and this week I'm continuing. But I'm really pushing it because I want you to get into an agreement with what God says about you. You've got to agree. Amen. We need to agree with his word. Okay. And so that agreement will influence you. It will carry an influence. Ah, say, I agree with his word. Say, I agree with his view of me. I am who he said I am. I can do what he said I can do. I'm a king. I'm a god. I have rulership. I have dominion. I can rule over all. Call the hand with a scepter in it. I have dominion. Nothing is outside of the authority that God has given me. Come on, say it with me. Say he's crowned me with glory and honor. And he has set me over all the works of his hands. Psalm 8. He is not subjecting the world. Come on, carry on. The world to come to angels about which Paul was talking. But he has subjected it to us, to the church. Say, I am part of this body, which is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He is the head, and I am part of the body. He is the son, Jesus, but I am a son. He is my elder brother. I'm a brother with him. My business is the father's business. It's to rule and reign through one Christ Jesus in this life over everything. Nothing is outside of my dominion. Nothing at all is outside of my authority. I am a possessor with Abraham of heaven and earth. And so all authority in heaven over angels has been given to me on earth over demons, unregenerate human beings, over sickness, over nature. Nothing is outside of my authority. Amen. So you, you all with me on this? That's where I belong. Okay. Whatever you submit to will rule you. Everybody say rule. Influence. With all of this incredible, incredible truth about your authority and power, it's what Adam and Eve had. And that's why Satan caused them to fall. First he got them in agreement. Then he could influence. Did God really say? No, it's because he knows the day you eat thereof, you're going to become wise like him. Oh, agree. Why don't you take and eat it? Well, he didn't. He said, I shouldn't. Did he really? Did he really say it? Did he really mean that? Does he really mean, seriously, that you have all authority? Does he really mean that you have authority over sickness? Does it really mean that you have authority over everything in your world, over your circuit. Did he really? Did he mean that? Did he mean that? 
but surely not you. Maybe Andre and Chris and Jenny, Bev. Maybe, but not you. Did God really mean you? You have all authority. And did he really mean in heaven? I mean, he couldn't really mean that you have authority over me, the devil. Because you know I'm powerful. Did he? In the moment you enter into agreement, there's an influence. And from the influence will come submission. And from that submission, you will serve it. Come on, church. We're talking about kingdom and prayer. So I'm just in the few minutes left. I want to bring it right down. Right down. Nitty gritty. Let's talk about you and me. Amen. So you all good? And so the enemy is still trying if he can't keep you in total ignorance of your authority, he will still try to influence to get you into an agreement on some kind of platform with him. He'll get you to agree. Because he knows the place of agreement is the place of power. That's why Jesus said, if two or three of you on earth agree concerning anything, it's almost like call. It means anything. It'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. God is constantly looking to get you and I into agreement with him. I agree with your word. And then I submit to the word. That means he rules me, but then, but then I rule. If Satan rules me, it means I don't rule. It means I'm completely dominated. Everybody following me? All right, so turn with me to Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. And I have to bring this in. And I know that this is not true of anybody in this church. Okay, you're too well taught. But it might be someone out there on live stream or some of those other churches. But listen to what Proverbs 25, verse 28, last verse of chapter 25. Listen to this. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Proverbs. Now, I understand it from this point, there's no amens. I understand. I'm not even going to try. I was trying to get you earlier, but so from here, it's okay. Rulership begins with us ruling our own spirits. The wise preacher, the king, says, if you don't rule your own spirits, you have no defenses. You are like a city without walls. It's amazing how if the enemy can't get in front of you to stop you, you'll try and sideline you, sidetrack you. And if that doesn't work, he'll get behind you and he'll push you too far. <laughs> and you'll run ahead of yourself. Isn't that right? But we need to rule our own spirit. What do you say? I need to rule my own spirit. I rule my own spirit. Now, I'm building up more and more about the kingdom authority in prayer. So I promise you, I'm giving you my word. Somebody did tell me about your sin this week. That's why I'm, I'm preaching this. So I know all about your sins. So don't so just relax. It's okay? Just relax. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be very kind in it, okay? No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay, so I'm not getting at anybody. I'm not getting it. But one thing I do know is the more you can rule your spirit, the greater is your authority. Well, that's one thing I do know. I know a few other things. But yeah, I know that one. The more you rule your spirit. Everybody says, I need to rule my spirit. Because the wise man, the wise preacher says, if you cannot rule your own spirit, he says you're like a city without walls. 
And the enemy can see right to it. So you can command and you can speak, but he can penetrate your defenses. He can enter into your life and influence you. Okay? So I rule my own spirit. So everybody say, I rule. I rule my own spirit. So I was studying. I've been doing a studying on it for a, a few weeks now. And for a while, I've been looking at the subject. And I found an amazing verse in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. An incredible verse that goes something like this. But the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to give you another interpretation just now. Is that okay? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Woohoo! And all those others come out of love. You could just say the fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay? And then expressions of love is joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Look at the next verse, 23. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now go back to verse 22 and put it in the, in the NIV. In the NIV, look what it says. It's kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Then verse 23, he says, gentleness and what? Temperance. Temperance. Self what? Control. Self control. Everybody say self, self control. We're always trying to control others. How about controlling yourself first? Come on, lay your hands on yourself and say, I control myself, I control myself. I have self-control. Fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Amen? Yeah, so just putting it in context with the teaching this morning, and let me just say this, is that self-control, self-control, okay, it's verse 23. Self-control, another way of saying it is self-rule. Another way of saying it is self-governance. self and I said to myself, self, I rule you. Self-governance. So the preacher says, if you cannot rule yourself, if you can't govern yourself like a city without walls, no defenses. And so we need that fruit of the spirit of self-governance. It's another beautiful proverb. It says that in Proverbs 16, in verse 32, don't you just like these verses? Proverbs 16, and I promise I'm not preaching to anybody here, but to everybody. Proverbs 16, and in verse 32, it says this, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Yo. Yo. In other words, he that is slow to anger can control his own temper. Okay, winding down, winding down, is just in case, you know, somebody maybe feels condemned. Self-rule, self-governance. So I just jotted down a few things over here. And I, you know, I look at me. Sign that you can rule yourself is how you respond to criticism. sign that you can rule your own spirit is how you respond to correction. The level of your self-governance is how you respond to something that's potentially offending to you. Is that okay? 
Isn't it amazing? Some people, they just get offended about everything. Anything yeah. offends them. They're just so offended. It's just like they're offended when there's no offense. Then when an offense comes, they're offended. You hurt my feelings. Fooey. Yeah. What about ruling and reigning? What about, this is, I mean, this is the assembly of the Elohim. I mean, God, El Ilion, God Almighty has taken all of heaven, all of earth, and he's come and he said, Everything that I'm going to do in this world. Everything. Do it. Rule and reign. And then you go, and you hurt my feelings. And God's going, really? Did I make a mistake? No, he didn't. He didn't make a mistake. It's time for us to wake up and realize, hey, man. There's a kingdom out there. There's a world. There's people out there that are waiting for a king to stand up. But someone who can rule himself. You know? I bind you, devil. And the devil's going, you can't even control your own tongue. Bind you, Satan. Well, how about trying to get your anger into hand? Do that first, then come talk. Okay, are we, all, are we all good? Are we all good? It's how we respond. You know, a great test of your rulership of your own spirit is, you know, can you control your own tongue? Can you forgive? Can you control your appetite? Do you have dominion over the wolves, the tapeworms? Can we rule? Can we rule over our appetites? I mean, it's interesting that Paul talks about a group of people and he says, whose God is their belly. Can we rule and reign? Can we? Come on, church. We've got to be honest. Is that right? And I mean, there's times when we need to hear truth like this and go like, can I rule and reign? Okay, here's another one. Can you rule and reign over your own fears? So Paul says to Timothy, and I just threw down a couple of things you know, that I found were pertinent, relevant to me. First of all, we need to be able to rule over anything that is sin. Is that okay? Because otherwise, if we agree and we submit to it, it will rule us. But then, very often, what comes out of that is that this constant sense of failure. And that's why in this church, I try to teach you about who you are and God's perspective of you. Because there's so many Christians walking around with false guilt and false condemnation. You need to rule over that. Is that okay? You need to rule over sin. But if there's no sin, you need to be ruling over false guilt and condemnation. And ruling over an unrenewed mind. And taking authority over condemnation and, and introversion. And, and, and you need to be taking authority over low self-esteem and, and building yourself up in the Lord and telling yourself who you are in Him. But you need to also rule over fears. Fear is the human condition. You need to rule over anxiety. Because it's the thing. It's the thing, and I remember I said it in this church once before, where would you be? And the, the question came to me, where would I be if I'd never, ever given into a fear? Where would I be today? Where would you be? Where would you be? What would you look like? What would you be doing? 
And the thing is, fear is the human condition. Fear is the biggest thing. Paul said to Timothy, there is a gift inside of you. There's something inside of you through the laying on of hands, the prophetic word and the laying on of hands. And you've been given a good deposit, the gospel, with that gift. He says, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, you need to stir that gift up, stir it into manifestation for God. For, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen? So what he was saying is rule over those fears. Rule over those anxieties. Stop just because you're young, allowing um, older people to look down on you or the, the impression that they're looking down on you. You need to get a grip. Is that okay? He was a bit weakly, he was a bit sickly, and he was saying, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. It's not a sin. But, but um, it's too much is, okay, just in case. Some people take it as permission. All right. And so he's saying, rule over these things. Timothy, rule. Rule. You've got to rule over these things. There's weaknesses in you. You need to stand up and rule because it's affecting the gift and the call of God. Come on, we need to start standing up and ruling. You know your area of weakness. I don't have to say it. I know mine. But we need to stand up and rule. If we want to be effective in the kingdom, we need to rule our own spirit. We need to be in charge of our own lives. We need to rule and reign over those things. Is that good? And so Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, 6, 8. He says, don't be anxious. You know, you know present your prayers. And he says this, cast all your cares, all your anxieties on him. So you can rule and reign. I don't know if you've ever noticed when God says, go and pray for that person over there because I want to heal them, what's the first emotion that rises up? Fear. Rule it. Reign over it. Look at the person next to you and say, Pastor John, seriously, he's genuinely preaching to you now. Say, he's preaching to you. Rule over your own spirit. Part of the reason why we need to be able to rule, and this is where I'm going to end, I think I've said enough today is we need to have control of our own lives because the Christian life is a disciplined life. The Christian life is a disciplined life. See, everything in this world is geared against you being a man or woman of God. This natural world, everything. To be a man or a woman of God in this world, you're going against the tide. This world. And Jesus spoke about it in Luke 18 when he talked about in a certain town, there was a judge, feared, neither feared God nor man. He was unjust. And there was a widow woman who should be getting justice, but she wasn't getting justice. And she would go and see the judge and say, I, don't, I know you don't fear God or man, but you need to give me my request. Give me justice. And he wouldn't, but because of a disciplined perseverance, knowing what it was about, she wore the judge down until he said, I'm not giving it to you because I'm nice, but to shut you up. Here it is. There's a perseverance in us that needs to lay hold. We need to have such rulership of our own spirit that we can pray, and that we can pray for the, the long haul with perseverance. We need to be able to have authority of our own spirit that we can push through on a thing until we've seen the conclusion. The Christian life is a disciplined life. Paul says, I haven't attained it, but a thing that I do do is I, I take authority over this flesh. I beat it and I put it under and I make it my slave. Psalm 119 says, the flesh, the flesh tends towards the dust. 
There's something in our human nature which is not fully redeemed yet, which tends to the earthy, which tends to the natural, would rather take the path of least resistance, you know? But it's, we have to rule our own spirit and push into those things which are spiritual. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but fitness doesn't just happen. How many of you have ever discovered you just hang around, watch TV, eat peanuts, eat chips and all that thing, and you're just getting fitter and fitter and fitter? I don't know if you noticed like that. Yeah, that's what happens to me. The less I do, the fitter I become, you know? How many of you know gymming is hard work? Gymming takes discipline. Paul said we've got to be like the athlete to go into training, to pursue godliness. It's discipline. And if you don't rule your spirit, you'll never do it. If you don't rule your spirit, you won't have a prayer life. If you don't rule your spirit, you wouldn't have been in church this morning. If you don't rule your spirit, you're not going to get into the Word. Listen, if you don't rule your spirit, you won't be in authority. You have to rule your spirit. You've got to let yourself know that the real self is in charge. Is it okay? So some of you need to go home and go and look in the mirror and go like, okay, Jonah, there's a new sheriff in town. His name's John. The new one, not this one. Amen. That listens to his flesh. Your flesh wants to be pampered. Your flesh doesn't want to, I'm tired. And then Pastor John says, let's lift our hands. Come on, everybody, let's join in. Not again. Mm. I need to rule here, self-governance. And then you'll see an increase in your authority. Your flesh will respond, your body will respond, your spirit will respond. He that can rule his own spirit is mightier than the one who takes a city. If I don't, I'm like a city with its walls broken down. So the purpose of these teachings is to take us on in our authority in prayer. So let's start to get the victories in the little things. Start to rule and reign. You know the things the Holy Spirit speaks to you about. You know the things that you do when you're blowing it. And you're going like, oh my goodness. You know your propensity to a thing. You know your weakness to a thing. Well, I think it's maybe time for us to realize what kind of authority God's given us and for us to stand up and start to take authority in our own lives. We need to manage our own lives. We need to manage things. One of the things that a lot of Christians can't manage is time. Can't manage their time. And look, we live in a busy world, but it's just so much easier to come home and to veg out and put the TV on and while away, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily and things like this, but when there's things to be done, it's not beneficial. You know, you can't watch hours of TV at the expense of your spiritual life and do nothing and just veg and, you know, because you work hard or something like that. No, no, no. To be spiritual is discipline. You still have to factor in time. Time to pray about a matter. Come on, you've got to schedule time to pray. It's amazing. We would rather go to work all day, every day, and go to sleep, and we're sleeping all night, and that worry, worry, worry is just chewing and gnawing away and affecting our health and stuff like this. And we get up in the morning, we go to work, and there's this worry, worry, worry. But nowhere do we rule and say, all right, I'm going to deal with this thing. I'm going to take time, and I'm going to set time so many hours this week, and I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to start to rule this thing. 
Why am I anxious? Why am I fearful? Why am I afraid? Why do I get angry? Why? What are you doing about it? We need to be in control of our timetable and stand up and just say, right, this thing, I've got to deal with this thing now. Why do I get so touchy offended? Jesus, I'm going to invest time with you. I'm going to find out. God, you need to speak to me. You need to heal me. You know? And I'm, and I'm not going to do this anymore. And start speaking over your own life. This is how I shall be. I shall not be offended. I shall be forgiving. I shall be gracious. You know, I shall be kind. I won't be touchy sensitive about this. I shall not, I shall not be self-justified. I will, I'm not going to do. This is what I'm going to do from now. And start to rule my own spirit. Zach, Andrew, let's stop there. Wow. Everybody say, I rule my own life. I have the spirit of self-control. I self-rule. I self-govern. I'm not dominated, dictated to by my own flesh, my own woundedness. I am healed. I'm a son of the Most High God. I stand up today and I take authority over my own spirit. I am mightier than the one who takes the city because I rule myself, my own spirit. Fear shall not have the final say with me. I rebuke fear in my life. I rebuke anxiety. I shall not be fearful because perfect love casts out all fear. I shall not be angry. I shall not walk in condemnation because there is now no condemnation for me who is in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm in charge. I rule and reign. I'm in the congregation of the Elohim. El Elyon has given me heaven and earth, all authority. I have authority of every demonic power. When I sense temptation coming, I will stand up and I will rebuke the devil. I will speak to temptation. It shall leave in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Father, I just want to thank you for your word to us this morning. You really are doing something. You're teaching and training us. This is training for reigning. Amen. This is training for reigning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for all authority in heaven and earth. Thank you yeah. that you've given it to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our Father... Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in my life, in my family, in my workplace, in this my church, exactly the same way as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My Father, who art in heaven, I ask you this day, give me my daily bread. Forgive me of my trespasses. And I right now forgive everyone who has trespassed against me. And Father, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one in the name of Jesus. We declare that yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.